this podcast, I want to talk to you about the field of social psychology. So this is an introduction to the field of social psych as presented in an introductory to psychology course. And of course, as an upper level uh, undergraduate student or as a graduate student, you can take social psychology as a field in itself. Uh, When I started off as a graduate student, uh, after I finished my bachelor's degree and majored in psychology, I became a social psych doctoral student. So I was pursuing a PhD in the field of social psychology. And then halfway through the program, and this is just poor planning on my part, I found an interest in therapy and counseling. So I switched to a counseling psychology PhD program. So needless to say, I have many years of uh, fond memories of studying social psychology in depth. So I want to give you an introduction to what it's like and what to expect when you learn about social psychology. So think of this as a is a brief tour of the general areas in the field. And a lot of people confuse it actually with sociology, and they're completely different. Social, so, sociology, and, and frankly, I've never taken a sociology course, but the focus is on studying groups and what groups do as a country, as a people, as an ethnic group, okay? Uh, So sociology is focused on group behavior. Social psychology is focused on individual behavior within the group. So how um, are we affected by society as an individual? And by the way, no matter what your future career holds, and if you like introduction to psychology, I hope you make room even on your own, just for leisure reading, to pick up a textbook uh, in social psychology. So much of our daily life is represented and applied here that you would have a great understanding of why we do the things that we do um, and how we're affected by other people. And so let me go ahead and start with this introduction and then you can judge for yourself in terms of how applicable you think these ideas are. So depending on the textbook you have, and it doesn't really matter which introduction to psychology textbook you have, or even a social psych textbook, social psych research tends to break down into three main areas. The first one is called social cognition, or we can think of it as social thinking. Okay. The second area is called social influence. This is how we're affected when we're in groups of people. And then the third is called social relations. And this has a lot to do with um, aggressive behavior, helping behavior, and uh, also prejudice and discrimination. Okay, so I'll give you some more examples as we go along. So a lot of social psychology, actually the field of social psychology can actually give credit to Adolf Hitler. No, Adolf Hitler was not a social psychologist, but social psychologists were interested in societal events, major societal events. And and at the time in the 1940s and World War II, what bigger societal event was there other than war and Nazism? And so social scientists started to ask questions. You know, how, how does one person influence so many to do such awful things. 
right? Was every foot soldier uh, inherently evil? Was it a collection of thousands and thousands of evil people? Was there something about the social circumstance? Was it about persuasion and propaganda? Was it about social pressure and fear, right? So if you think about terms like conformity, obedience, prejudice, discrimination, right? These are major focuses of social psychological research. Actually, I think the plural of focus might be foci, but I'll have to double check that. It just sounds so weird to say that. So social psychology is a study of human behavior within social situations. And a major theme of the field, you can think of it as uh, like a bumper sticker, the power of situations. In everyday life, we tend to underestimate, meaning we don't give enough credit to how powerful situations have on our behavior. So for example, you might think of yourself as a nice person and a good driver, but I would argue that just by being five minutes, 10 minutes late to wherever you need to go can make you into an insane, aggressive driver, okay? Is that possible? Would being stuck in traffic turn you into a different person? I have a distinct memory way back in high school and my friend Paul, yeah, I'm naming names, it actually was Paul, the kindest guy. He was very tall and lanky, you know, like a lot of high schoolers are, kind of hippie looking, long hair. I'm stereotyping. We'll talk about stereotyping in a moment. And I rode with him somewhere, and it doesn't take much traffic to turn this guy into a raging lunatic where, and because he has long, lanky arms, he would put his hands into a fist and start pounding on the dashboard with one hand, leaning forward, grabbing the steering wheel tightly, cursing like a sailor. I'm sorry, sailors. You have that stereotype attached to you as well about being, <laughs> about loving to curse. And so, you know, well, was it a, was it, this guy has multiple personalities, identities? What happened here? Does he have a mental illness? No. The situation, a very small, minor, daily annoyance just turned this nice guy into a raging lunatic. Okay, here are some things that social psychologists do research on that I think you might find interesting. Um, if you run, do you think it makes a difference if you run with an audience? Like a 5K run, maybe during a holiday and there are actually people, people watching, or if you're running by yourself on a track, right? When you have teamwork at work or, as a, or maybe a study group, you know, group project, does everyone work harder? Would there be some people who slack off? So social psychology actually has a lot of research about these kinds of things. So again, social cognition, it's about how we think. How do we make sense of the people around us in our environment? This is part of social thinking or social cognition. So one example of that is called attribution theory, right? Yeah, the basic idea of what an attribution is is that we want to know why people do things so when we try to explain why John Doe or Jane Doe did something and we make a judgment about a person 
what we're doing is we're creating an attribution. It's, we're giving a cause to that behavior. So when we explain in our minds why a person does A, B, C, or D in creating this attribution, we're at the same time creating a judgment, positive or negative, about an individual. Something as simple as being in a classroom, a friend makes a grade, hey, or, or chances are someone you don't know, okay? They said, hey, I made an A on the test. How'd you do? And immediately we're making judgments. Why? How did that classmate make an A? Could it be that they're hardworking, they're smart, or they're a good guesser, or they're cheat? Okay? Every single one of those explanations are called attributions. All right. Now, what's interesting is that from social psych research, we attribute causes to people's behavior in a fairly predictable way and let's call it a bias or a pattern so this bias is called the fundamental attribution error and it's called an error because oftentimes we make mistakes mistakes about judgments about other people so let's abbreviate that FAE fundamental attribution error error so when we make an attribution, we tend to make them in two different categories. And if you really think about it, it's kind of true. It's hard to think about an attribution that doesn't fall into these two categories. So when someone does something, and we say, oh, that person must be, okay, one category, they're called personal or dispositional attributions. You can also use the word explanation instead of attribution. A dispositional explanation, okay? So you see a person begging for money on the street and one of your friends might say, oh, they're so lazy, they're, they're just not motivated, the word. they want to be homeless, right? Think about what lazy means. Lazy is a part of the person. It's something about the person. That's part of their disposition. So their explanation for that person's homelessness is called a dispositional explanation. And we tend to have a bias towards giving this kind of explanation about other people. That's why it's called the fundamental attribution error. Think about it. Next time you see a homeless person on the street who's on a street corner begging for money, and think about what kind of thoughts come to mind. Do you think about, oh, that person must have really difficult circumstances? They must have had really bad luck? That's why they're on the street? Right? That's a situational attribution. That's the other category. Or do you go for the lazy not hardworking explanation, which is dispositional, okay? Social psychologists argue that for Americans, because of our individualistic culture, we tend to focus on the individual. We tend to focus on dispositions, something about the person, their personality, something about their being to explain their behavior. Oh, you did well in this class because you're hardworking and smart. Those are all dispositions. You did not do well in the class because you're not hardworking and you're not smart. Again, dispositional, right? And how often is that true? Are we making mistakes, right? Maybe someone became an NBA basketball professional legend because of situations. Maybe they were born into the right family with the right income, with the right environment, okay, to be able to access certain sports. So maybe someone being a professional athlete has a lot to do with situations. But instead, as a casual observer, 
We only think about their athletic talent, their genetics that they're born with, their disposition or their drive, right? And we tend not to think about situations. So in a sense, we as Americans tend to be dispositionists, right? And uh, so think of this when you're out about and judging people's behavior. Are you choosing dispositional explanations or ex or situational explanations? Chances are when you're driving in traffic and someone drives fast and cuts you off, I bet you're not thinking, oh, good luck to that meeting. I know you're running late or I'm sure you have a medical emergency. That's why you're driving fast, right? We're not thinking that. Our initial reaction would be, you jerk, you're an idiot, right? You're a bad driver. Those are dispositions. Okay. Um, another part of social cognitive uh, research has to do with per persuasion, right? And there's a lot of research in social psychology about that. And let me give you a couple of examples. Um, there's the central route of persuasion versus the peripheral route of persuasion. And if it happens to be an election year, you can think about how politicians are trying to persuade us with their speeches and with their advertising. So a central route of persuasion would be to go straight for how you think, right? The rational part, the information. Vote for me because this is my record. Yeah, this is what I've done. Okay. The peripheral route of persuasion has to do with more an emotional appeal, right? Vote for me because, you know, I am good looking. I look trustworthy, right? And um, it's not about, uh, it's not about information at all. It's not about their record. It's not about their belief system. The peripheral route of persuasion has to do with other things. You know, the attractiveness of the individual. Um, are you persuaded by certain colors in the advertising and so forth, right? It's all about techniques that get you to say yes, okay? Now, in the course of the social psychology chapter, you'll also come across uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. And there are many documentary films and videos online about this, so you can look it up or go to the website created by a Stanford graduate student, Scott Plaus, and that's prisonexp.org to learn more about it. And this is basically where Philip Zimbardo back in the 70s created a fake prison and randomly assigned young people who volunteered as the role of prison guards or at the flip of a coin, they became prisoners in a fake prison basically in the basement of the psychology building. And you'll never think about the basement of a psychology building the same after reading about the Stanford prison experiment. And when you read about it, you'll basically see how quickly things go south and poorly when random, psychologically healthy young men are placed in this very odd situation and they lose sense of reality and people start to break down or act in very aggressive ways, okay? All right, when we talk about social influence, let's talk about conformity, right? You'll see classic studies, again, based on the experience and observation of World War II and Nazism. Solomon Ash wanted to do a study on conformity, as well as Stanley Milgram. He did experiments on obedience. And if you ever hear another psychology student say, oh, I took psychology 
we learned about that guy who shocked people okay with you know electricity that would be Stanley Milgram okay and so those are two studies you definitely want to read about that are very interesting now in the field or area of social relations um, there are three terms that I like you to know very well and that is prejudice stereotyping and discrimination and there are a lot of applications of that such as racism ageism sexism a lot of isms out there right and many people and students tend to confuse those three main terms of prejudice stereotyping and discrimination so let me clarify that really quickly right now prejudice is an attitude is a negative attitude that has affect which is a technical term for emotion behind it so someone who has a negative feeling or emotion towards a particular group of people now not actions but thoughts okay so attitudes this is happening in the mind so you don't know a prejudiced person until they act right so prejudice is negative attitudes in the mind now a stereotype is without the feeling behind it is basically information that we have about particular groups of people right some stereotypes happen to be true some stereotypes happen to be very false but they're generally information that we think describes a particular group of people and we apply it towards an individual that we think fits in to that particular group and that's called a stereotype Asian students are good at math is a stereotype right it happens to be true if you're Asian Asian American and good at math right but then there are plenty of Asian American students who struggle with math but yet that is a fundamental attribution error just to apply the uh, concept we talked about earlier so that's a stereotype it's not particularly negative or harmful on the surface but it does perhaps create an unrealistic expectation for a group of students don't you think or uh, unrealistic pressure okay and some stereotypes can be very negative such as thinking of a group of people not smart or dumb or lazy right a uh, particular group of people are very good with money right all these stereotypes are out there it's purely information that could be neutral positive or negative about a group of people that's different from prejudice they play a part of course a prejudiced person would also hold a lot of stereotypes about the group of people they don't like but prejudice includes a strong dislike so discrimination is action is when someone or a company or some entity takes action that's driven by their negative attitudes or prejudice okay so not paying someone that they're due okay not paying someone the same rate as somebody else okay that's an example of discrimination so when you hear about people crying or complaining about discrimination in the workplace and so forth examine the reasons why and look at the actual evidence without uh, dismissing that claim I know there are a lot of people who seem to hear racial discrimination hear those words and get turned off and think oh it's just people having excuses for not working hard enough and they're playing the race card because that's all they have left but usually a person who makes that complaint is usually not a person who belongs to that group who has experienced a lot of discrimination in the workplace or in their personal lives okay 
So I think uh, a little bit of sensitivity and thinking outside the box in terms of how other people might experience things might be a good idea. Okay, and in the area of social relations, there's also aggressiveness research. There's also altruism, or what's called pro-social behavior research, which was stemmed by a 1960s murder case, where apparently there are a lot of eyewitnesses who heard a woman named Kitty, Catherine or Kitty Genovese, killed uh, in the late night, and people wondered, well, how can that happen? Is it that the observers don't care, or is it could be could there be something else at work? Okay. And I'm not going to give you the answers. You have to read about it yourself. But that's my grand tour of the field of social psychology. This is one of my longer podcasts, so thanks for your patience. And this is Dr. C. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll talk to you in the next podcast. there thanks for listening to this podcast today can you do me a big favor um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field uh, go to apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review okay and you can also contact me directly using the links in the description whether it's twitter or email with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better and uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.